Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us with the broadcast today. And as a special treat, I have my friend Steve Ray back in the studio. I don't think I'm going to let him out of Greenville. We're having too much fun here talking about the faith and how to pass it on. And Steve, welcome again to Faith and Family. Thank you. Always great to be here. I, I enjoy what you're doing and the way you do it, and I'm glad to be a small part of it here today. Well, we both come from an evangelical Protestant background. Both are now Catholics. So we've lived part of our lives in, in both of these camps. And although I wish I had discovered the Catholic faith earlier, I do see there's a value in understanding both perspectives, yep. really. And there's nothing more important for ourselves and for our families. We're thinking, and I say family, I'm not talking just about our children, but our grandchildren and even the generations after we pass on, is how do we get to heaven? How, what's the whole question of salvation? And how are we saved? And is it faith alone? Is it works alone? How are we born again or not born again? How does all this work? Because I know that evangelicals know what evangelicals are supposed to believe about all this. Right. My experience, Catholics have kind of a hard time knowing what evangelicals exactly what they believe and also have a hard time understanding what they're supposed to believe as Catholics. So I'm going to toss the ball to you. Tell us about it. Well, one of the reasons I think that people don't always know what Protestants believe is because there's a lot of different scenarios. Quite true. When you've got as many different divisions. I mean, if you go up and down the street here, Methodist, Presbyterian, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal, you're going to have just as many different permutations on how you get saved as you do on churches that you stop to ask. And I think that that's one of the dilemmas. Another thing is that evangelicals tend to love sound bites. They, they don't like to flesh things out so much. They, they, they love to put something that'll fit on a billboard and Catholics obviously react to that because they say that's oversimplistic. It is not the fullness of the faith. Catholics, on the other hand, I think don't always understand what they believe because I think like the catechesis over the last 30, 40 years has been very poor. We haven't taught really what it means to be saved. Nobody really sits down and asks that question or answers it. And I think that Catholics have the tendency to believe you get saved by your works. You get saved by how much you do. It's kind of like you got a scale here. Well, today I did 10 good works and I did, well, some things that weren't so good. But at least the, I'm, I'm on the scale. The weight is still for salvation. If I get the, enough of this, there's a joke I always love to tell a man who's been a good man all his life and he dies and goes to heaven. And Peter says, you got to tell me how many good works you've done. And I give you so many points per good works. And the guy says, why? I love the same woman my whole life. I never had an unclean thought for another woman. Peter says, that's great. That's three points. You need 100 points to get in, remember. And the guy's panicking. He says, well, I fed the poor every Saturday with my own money. That's worth two points. Good job, he says. Well, the guy's panicking. I gave 12%, not 10% to the church every Sunday. Peter says, that's worth one point. The guy falls on his knees and says, at this rate, the only way I'll get into heaven is by the grace of God. And Peter says, 100 points, come on in. I think this is what Catholics don't understand. Well put. Salvation is by the grace of God. It's not something I do. 
It's something that is purely by the gratuitous free gift of God that he gives. And on that sense, Protestants are correct. They emphasize that it's a free gift. It's grace. It's nothing that I do. But once we have accepted that grace and we've been baptized and had faith in Christ and become children of God, then we are called to do good works. They're not earning us heaven, but we have to do those good works because that's what God has called us to do. And there are some verses in the Bible, like John chapter 2, verse 24. So you see, brothers, we are saved by works and not by faith alone. Was not our father Abraham justified when he offered up his son Isaac? Abraham was, I did a movie on Abraham too, and it's called Abraham, father of faith and works, because they go hand in hand. But initial salvation is totally the grace of God. And even subsequently, the good works we do towards our salvation are also the works of God. We can't do anything pleasing to God without his grace given to us first. An example, my grandson Dominic wants to buy me a Christmas present. He's just a little boy, doesn't have any money. Grandpa, can I borrow $20? Why? Well, he wants to buy me a Christmas present. So on Christmas morning, I get that present. And there Dominic hands me it all wrapped. And I say, who bought this present? Did Dominic buy this present? Well, I gave him the $20. I gave him the ability to do that nice thing for me. Well put. God is the one who gives us the grace even for us to be able to do the good works. So all of it is the grace of God. And Catholics need to understand that. Protestants need to understand that that's what we believe. We're not trying to get to heaven by our work. You know, in our last broadcast together, we talked about how often Billy Graham was a spark to so many people. He didn't really preach the entire Christian life, but he was this effective spark plug that kind of got people going. I get the impression, and I could be wrong on this, but Catholics, you have this first part where you come to have this conscious, willful decision to put your trust in Jesus. And you mentioned this poor fellow standing for St. Peter who, uh, yeah, I will summarize it. I tried to be a good person. And I basically say, if your reason getting into heaven begins with the first person pronoun, I, you're not going to make it (laughs) because you're trusting in yourself, unless Jesus is the direct object. Uh, And, but since Catholics believe the first part is by God's grace, we just kind of go on with the second part and not really work with children and even young adults to get that first part right. Because personally, and this took me a while to figure out, I think the hardest thing for a Christian to do, the hardest thing, is simply to trust that God loves them despite whatever they've done. Because, yep. you know, I know what I've said. I know what I've done. Yep. And, 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 and if God knows what I've done, how can he love me? Yep. And, you know, you talk about all kinds of uh, penitential works and good works and giving away everything, but just to come and say, God does love me and yep. believe that. To me, that see, that's faith. Yep. And we're kind of leaving that out. We're yep. saying, well, God loves us. Let's go to part B. Yep. And we're building on a non-foundation. Your, your website is dads.org. Correct. That means you know a lot about dads. And I have to think that the people that write to me and say they have a hard time understanding that God can forgive them and love them are people that had bad relationships with their fathers. Almost invariably, if I get an email, I can't, I just have a hard time trusting God. I, my, I say, I have one question for you. What was the relationship with your father? Mm-hmm. Now, see, 
your kids have no trouble thinking whether God loves them or not. That's taken for granted. Why? Partly because they had a father like you who loved them and forgave them when they did things wrong and you took care of them no matter what happened in their life. My kids as well. My father was like that. So I don't have a hard time thinking of God loving me and forgiving me because I, see, I transpose my father mm-hmm. image on what God is like. But just think of the poor person who has been abused by their father thinking of God as a father. And I think that that is a real inhibiting factor in our culture because there's so many dysfunctional families and fathers who are not part of their family or who are a negative element in the family. Or abandon their family. abandon their family. So God's mm-hmm. going to abandon me. If I do something wrong, he'll abandon me. So I think that we need to really understand that God is a perfect ideal father, not like maybe the fathers we had, mm-hmm. and that we have to understand that this loving father, you know, if we could get saved, like you said, if you start with I, mm-hmm. I am doing this, if we if we get sa- to uh, salvation by our works, then Jesus didn't need to come and die on the cross. It was a waste of time. But he came down and died on the cross because he loved us and he brought salvation to us, and we can only receive it through him and through his grace. And that's like you said, the initial step is that God loves us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Now, how would uh, a Baptist person uh, trained within the Baptist church, how would they look upon Catholicism regarding salvation? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's I, I use a story. If a man is dying and he's in the ditch and he got hit by a car and he's got one minute to live and I run over and I, I say, well, here, I'm a Catholic. I'm ready to help you uh, get saved. He's, I want to get saved. I got to meet God in a, in a minute. I, he said, but how, if you're a Catholic, how can you tell me your gospel? Your gospel's so complicated. You got to go to mass. You got to repent. You got to go to confession. Oh, and you got to get baptized. And I can't get baptized. I only got a minute left. And he goes, and he said, how could you? This is how an evangelical thinks of a Catholic, that the gospel is so complicated. We have added so many man-made traditions and rules and regulations and rituals to it that it's just such a complicated thing. No one can understand it. That's how I would have thought of it. And ultimately, a Baptist thinks that Catholics do not understand grace, the forgiveness of God, that it's a free gift of God. And there's reasons for that because Catholics don't understand that. So when a Protestant talks to a Catholic, when I used to evangelize Catholics, I used to teach classes, Steve, on how to evangelize Catholics. And I'd always say, ask them these questions. See, I, I told folks last broadcast you were a tough nut. Okay. I, you know, you ask a Catholic, are you born again? Right. Do you know, if you died today, do you know you're going to heaven? The Catholic will go, uh, I, I don't know. They wouldn't have a clue. That's how Protestants think of Catholics. They don't know what they are. And if they do, if you do scratch the surface and get down to what they really believe, Mm -hmm. they think they get there by their own works. And unfortunately, too many do think that. Okay. That's what a Baptist thinks. But also, unfortunately, it's because Catholics actually think that themselves. Okay. Now, let's say there's some evangelicals listening to this broadcast, and we welcome to listen to them and try to treat them with respect. What would you want an evangelical listening right now to know about Catholic beliefs on salvation? Well, let's go back to the guy in the ditch. Okay. He said he had one minute to live. I said, I can tell you the gospel, the Catholic gospel, in less than 10 seconds. Oh, my. Okay. The Philippian jailer said to Paul in Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, what must I do to be saved? Paul gave him the Catholic gospel this simply. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household, period. That is the Catholic gospel in a nutshell. And it didn't take me a minute to tell him. I did it in 10 seconds. But now if I found out the man's got a whole hour to live or a day, let's discuss what the word believe means. 
because the word believe is misunderstood because in our modern culture, we think of believe as making a mental assent to something. Two plus two is four. I believe that. The early people in Jesus' time, they believed that he could heal. Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazim, these three cities. They believed. They brought sick granny. They brought their uncle with his arm twisted or whatever. They brought everybody. He healed thousands of people. They believed. But Jesus still condemned those cities because of their unbelief. So the word believe obviously has more to it than we use it for today to mean two plus two is four. And it's just kind of like once and done, over, yes. there's, yeah. Yes. Or, or it's just a mental ascent. I right. believe Jesus died for me. Okay. Right. Or it's just a one-time event. I say if we have time, let's discuss then what the word believe means if you believe on the Lord Jesus. So I go to, to John chapter 3. What is the opposite of the word believe, I would say to the evangelical? The opposite of the word believe, most would say, is to disbelieve. But it's not. It's to disobey. If Jesus said, if you, if you believe in the Son of God, you will have life. But if you disobey, you will not have life. And so the word believe is a pregnant word, and it means more than just a mental assent. It's like a hot dog. The word believe is like a hot dog. I know that sounds crazy, but if I go into a restaurant and I ask, I look in the menu, I see hamburger, chicken dinner right there, I'll take the hot dog. And the lady brings out the waitress and she drops a frozen hot dog, boom, on my plate. And I say, what the heck is that? She said, it's a hot dog. I said, yeah, but where's the bun? It's not cooked. Where's the ketchup and the mustard and the chips? She said, you didn't ask for any of that. You asked for a hot dog and I gave you a hot dog. So shut up. Well, there's a lack of communication because we understand hot dog to mean two different things. I, when I said hot dog, I meant all that comes with the hot dog. Okay. It's in English. It's a figure of speech called a synecdoche. We say we have 10 head of cattle. It doesn't mean we have cow heads. It means we have 10 cows. We just say, if you say you have the, the best mines are in Washington, D.C., well, first of all, it's a lie. But a second, <laughs> if you say you have the best mines in Washington, it means you have a bunch of jars with brains in them. It means it's a, it's a, you take a part of something to mean the whole. When you say believe in the Lord Jesus, it's a synecdoche. It doesn't just mean to believe mental assent. It means all the things are wrapped up. It's like a zip file. The word believe has, it's loaded with things. And a zip file is all kinds of things packed into one so they can go across the internet. On the other side, you unpack it. So you have to unpack what the word believe means. Okay. And the word believe also wraps right in it obedience. That is essential. It is integral to the word believe is obedience. It's not just cheap grace. It's not just believe and you've got it made. It means obedience. It means repentance. It means coming to a knowledge of the truth. In my book, Crossing the Tiber, on page 100, I'm glad it ended up on page 100 because I can remember it that way, are the list of verses that I put that the Bible says are necessary for salvation, water and spirit. Baptism now saves us. 1 Peter chapter 3.21. For me as an evangelical Protestant, how can I reconcile if it's by faith alone to read baptism now saves you? Water baptism. Coming to a knowledge of the truth. At least two or three times, Paul says, that our salvation comes to a knowledge of the truth. Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. What if I say, I believe, but I'm not going to confess with my mouth? Am I saved? So to say that I'm saved by faith alone, which is a sound bite. It's actually not in the Bible. The only place in the Bible where it says faith and alone together is where it says we are saved by works and not by faith alone. Yes, we as Catholics believe we're saved by faith. That's the initial starting point. And in response to that faith, we're baptized. That means we're born again through baptism. Oh, says I, Steve Ray the Baptist, you think you get saved by water baptism? 
I don't say that. Jesus does. Unless a man is born again of water and spirit, he'll never see the kingdom of God. What does he mean by water and spirit? Well, the day before, he had just gone down into the Jordan River. He went into the water and the spirit came down. It was in the headlines of the Jerusalem Post. Everybody knew it. Why Nicodemus didn't read the paper that day, I don't know. But the headlines were, Jesus goes into the water and the spirit comes down, water and spirit. And Jesus then says, that's how you get born again. The prototype of all baptism. It is. Yeah. He's setting the stage for the new creation. This is how mm -hmm. it's done. So when you say, I have, by faith, I believe Jesus, then you have to say what the word believe means and you unpack it and you realize that the scriptures also bring in repentance, coming to a knowledge of the truth, confessing with your mouth, water baptism, works of obedience to God. All of these things are required. They're all part of the whole package. When you put them all back together, squeeze them all down to one, it comes out the word believe. But how important is it? Uh, at least I'll just go ahead and just say this. How I wish somebody had explained this to me in that, um, let's say, I would say the hardest thing, uh, you know, as far as unpacking all that would be, say, going to confession. Horrible, <laughs> yeah. horrible. It's hard. <laughs> it's so hard on the ego. <laughs> it's hard on your sinful life. Yeah. But how good is it to have that objective forgiveness? And, you know, I was an evangelical pastor. And, you know, people would come and sit in all in their nice Sunday clothes and smiling. You think, boy, these people are just flying high at 20,000 feet. And then all of a sudden they make an appointment to come see you on Wednesday afternoon. And, you know, invariably uh, good people have done things they terribly regret. And even though they go in their prayer closet and ask Jesus to forgive them, that guilt and doubt comes crawling back. And I just look back at the times I tried to try to persuade people yep. Jesus loves them. Jesus, but how you know three minutes in the confessional could have broken that. But to get to that confessional, the evangelical is going to have to hear about salvation by grace, the way you just described. I mean, give give a charge. That's what I'm trying to do to Catholics to learn this well enough. And you know, there's a whole lot of things, but you know, to get to heaven is pretty much top of the list. Yep. And we sometimes focus our apologetics on secondary topics, but give a charge to folks to well, be, if, able to be equipped. If a Catholic thinks right now, if I ask them, if you were to stay, this is what I used to ask Catholics when I was an evangelical, and I still ask them that today as a Catholic, if you were to die and stand before God now, and he said, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? If you're out of your mouth, first thing, like you said earlier, is I mm -hmm. did this or I did that, then you don't have a clue what it means to be saved. And you need to find out what it means to be saved. And if you say, I, I remember Father Benedict Rochelle, he was a great, pre, uh, he was a great guy. And um, I remember him saying, when I, get, when I die and I am heading up to the judgment, there's going to be two doors. One says saved and one says lost. He says, I'm not going to be presumptuous. I'm going to go to the door lost and I'm just going to say, mercy. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say, I did this and I did that. I'm going to say, mercy. I don't deserve it. I don't um, have any reason to 
be saved, but I ask you for your mercy because that's what it's all about. It's about God having mercy on us, undeserving sinners. I know I sound like an evangelical, but this is Catholic stuff. I'm an undeserved sinner. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen into sin. Jesus, while while we were yet his enemies, he died for us. He made a way for us. He is the one intercessor. He built the bridge. It's like the ladder uh, that Jacob saw between heaven and earth. Jesus said that the angels are going up and down on him. He's the ladder. He's the bridge between between a holy God and a sinful man. And it's only him that can reconcile us to God. It's his work. It's his death on the cross. It's his blood that washes away our sins. Baptism then in a practical way washes away our sins when we're baptized. That's the Catholic gospel. These things need to be done. We have more in common with evangelicals than evangelicals realize. I couldn't agree more. Uh, On the essence of salvation by grace, there's the part B that you talked about kind of expand this, and I'd say there's a real uh, trap door here for both certain Protestant groups that are very legalistic, very rule-based, and also some very serious Catholics, the way they're portraying the gospel to their kids, it's not really good news that God loves us and saves us by grace, but it's all depending on what you do, don't do, 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 and, you know, it's a tough world to grow up. And how important is is it for parents and grandparents to convey to their children and grandchildren the true gospel of grace that we've been talking about? Well, you know, the evangelicals like sound bites. They like to make things simple, and they don't want anything to be complicated. And we cut—I remember we used to even say, and we talked about it earlier, we cut some verses out of the Bible. Right. They were blip verses because right. they just didn't fit our tradition. And I think that evangelicals like the sound bite. They love the little marketing slogans because they're simple. And I think that that is a, dra- takes them away from the fullness of the gospel. I think Catholics do the same. For us, our slogans, our little practices that we do is we think if we follow a certain number of rules, if we pray so many hours, if we do the rosary every day, if we go to mass every Sunday, if we uh, do these certain things that we Which are have, wonderful things to do. All are good things. Yeah. But if we do them in a legalistic way as the means of our salvation, I think then we have a problem because we're not really understanding what the gospel is. Jesus, that, that Paul says that we're saved by faith, by, through, by uh, faith through grace, not any works of ourselves. That's how we're saved. And I agree with that. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8. We are saved by grace of God, not by anything that we do. But the next verse, he says, now that you have received that grace and been baptized, do the good works which you have been predestined to do. And I see even for a Protestant, they'll, they'll say, no, you, you don't have to do anything. You just have to believe. Ah, yes, but the last time I looked, believe was a verb. It's something I have to do, to believe. No, 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 I mean, it's just a free gift. You just have to receive the free gift. Well, yes, but receive is a verb. It's something I have to do. Now that we've established the fact that I do have to do something, it's just now a matter of what I have to do and to the degree. Salvation requires me to cooperate with the grace of God. He's the one that calls me. He's the one that inspires me to do it. He sparks the plug in me. Like we talked about, he's the one that gives all the grace to do it and fulfill it. But I have to cooperate with that. At any moment, I can say no. And I have to do something to cooperate. So there are my efforts involved. It has to be involved. We're not a robot. He doesn't push a button in us. I have to respond to his grace. I have to participate in his grace and salvation. I also would say the misconception that it's a one-time event. 
It's not a one-time event. There is, a, there is the initial act of salvation, but the work of continuing salvation and sanctification is a lifelong process. Sure. Uh, I have a little different uh, direction I'd like to—we just have a, a few minutes left. But a lot of ministers, evangelical ministers, who have been called by God to, to serve him— are considering, and somebody's listening to my voice right now who's who's kind of on that fence, but they're saying, well, if I become a Catholic, um, what will I do? And um, I really can't think of many converts that have had as much joyful, energetic, grace-filled works than you, Steve. I mean, You've gone the whole nine yards. Encourage somebody out there who might be listening, thinking, oh, if I become a Catholic, I'll just be put in the back closet, and that'll be the end of my service to Jesus Christ. Well, I'd have to disagree. I I mean, I'm agreeing with you that that people have this issue. I had a $12 million business. I had 600 employees. I built it from scratch out of my dining room, and I love my business. I ran it for 30 years. I was making—we were grossing $12 million a year. When I became Catholic, I— started to do all the things I love to do, write books, take pilgrimages to the Holy Land, give talks and conferences, make movies about the faith. And I lost interest in my business and eventually ended up selling it for a loss just because I wanted to I want. I had for tw- for ten years. I'd only been there one day a week, a month or so. I'd given up on my business, and I sold it for a loss because I wanted to do this. I never sat down, Steve, and wrote out a business plan. I'm going to sell my business, then I'm going to write a book, and then I'm going to. I just said, Lord, I'm yours. I kind of just threw myself on the floor and I said, God, I'm going to give my life to you. My dad said, if I gave my life to you and served you, every, you'll take care of me, and I'm going to count on you to do that. If you let me down, I'm going to have something to complain about when I get to heaven. If you drop the ball, you're the one that's going to hear about it, but I'm giving my life to you and I'm expecting you then to take this lump of clay and use it for you. I cannot tell you what God has done in my life because of that. I ha- I have nothing but joy and I've got, I'm busy every day making movies, leading pilgrimages. I never dreamed I'd do that. You're busy. You you gave up a pastorate and you're busier now than you were before. And That's true. every minute of what you do. That's true. And um, I would just say to anybody, there's a lot to do in the Catholic Church. We need good men. We need good women in the church. We need people who come from an evangelical background that have all of this good knowledge and lets us flesh it all out so you got the whole of the faith. And we've got a lot to learn from you and you've got a lot you can learn from us. And I want to just before we quit, put a plug in for your book because I know you're not going to do it because you're a (laughs) humble guy. But I, you sent me a a copy of the book, Grace and Justification, an Evangelical's Guide to Catholic Beliefs. In other words, helping a Catholic understand what they believe, but helping an evangelical. The book is excellent. It's a simple read. It's not a long tome of pages. And right, pages. right. It's easy to read. It's good to read. And I recommend if people want to learn more about what salvation is, how we get saved, what is justification, what does the Bible teach, get a copy of Grace and Justification because it's an excellent, easy read. And I think you summarized it really well in that book. All right. Well, now you have a wealth of uh, both DVDs, you have pilgrimages, and you have books and other information on your website. Give that out so people can just go explore. It's a wealth of of solid information. Catholicconvert.com. I've got a lot of movies and YouTube stuff and Twitter feed and everything, but I've got hundreds of conversion stories on there from every possible background. I have hundreds of documents that I've written debating with Baptist pastors, dealing with purgatory, Mary, all these things. Um, It's catholicconvert.com. It's an excellent website, and I can say it'd be a great place to explore in depth. Steve Ray, thank you for joining us on Faith and Family. Good to be here. 
Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.